3: This episode is brought to you by Yumiko. Your favorite dancewear brand has just launched leg warmers and we can't wait for you to try them. Their leg warmer collection is created with a lightweight layer of the softest Italian merino wool designed to warm up your muscles without adding any of that extra bulk. This ultra fine knit gauge highlights the natural contours of your leg and comes in two colors to perfectly match to your leotards. Be sure to click over to yumiko.com to explore all of the world-class dancewear that they have to offer. This episode is supported by San Francisco Ballet. I'm Rebecca King-Ferraro.
0: And I'm Michael Breeden. And you're listening to Conversations on Dance.
3: Before we get started with this episode, we want to take a moment to make a big announcement about our partnership with the Kennedy Center. We will be working with them four times over their um, upcoming dance season, and we will be going for the first time October 22nd, which is a Monday. and at 4 p.m. at their Terrace Gallery, we're going to be hosting a free conversation with Helgi Thomason, the Artistic Director of San Francisco Ballet. So we're really looking forward to that.
0: I mean, we're, we're so excited. It's uh, two things that we love, the Kennedy Center and Helgi. Totally. <laughs> um, and, and we missed out on Helgi in our um, trip to San Francisco Ballet to promote the Unbound Festival, which the Unbound Festival is coming To the Kennedy Center. Mm -hmm. That's what you'll be. They'll be um, presenting at six of the ballets that went at the festival, um, which was a huge hit. So it's it's wonderful that the East Coast is going to get this opportunity Mm -hmm. to see um, these new creations. And then on our end, we're just thrilled that we're actually going to get an opportunity to talk to Helgi, and -hmm. to do so in a live arena is even better. Um,
1: I think the only thing we're really
3: worried about is how to keep it at one hour.
0: (laughs) I know. Uh, (laughs) There's going to be so
3: much to talk to him
0: about. There's so much to cover from his his own personal dancing years, working with Balanchine and Jerry.
3: Yes, we're really looking forward to that. He was so busy when we were in San Francisco last time and we kept having a time scheduled and we had to keep changing it because there was a lot of activity going on when we were in San Francisco. So we're so excited that we're going to... A, talk to him, and B, that it's going to be a live podcast recording. So if you can't make it um, for the live event, we will be recording it and releasing it quite immediately afterwards. We're not sure yet uh, what the date of release will be, but it will be the week of October 22nd. So be sure to look out for that. And if you are in the D.C. area um, and you are interested in coming, we're going to have the information up on our website. If you go to conversationsondancepod.com and click Upcoming Events, um, you can find all the information there and uh, there are tickets that are going to be required and you can um, line up outside of the Kennedy Center on the 22nd uh, starting at three thirty, and there'll be two tickets up to two tickets per person. So all that information is on our website. If you're interested in coming out to see us, we'd love to see you.
0: Yes, we're super excited. Yeah. Uh, and it's the first of several events this year, so we will continue to let you know as those pop up at the Candy Center.
3: This week, we are joined by Sarah Van Patten, principal with the San Francisco Ballet. Sarah trained at Ballet Workshop of New England and danced with Massachusetts Youth Ballet. In 2000, at age 15, she joined the Royal Danish Ballet as an apprentice, where John Neumeier cast her as Juliet in his Romeo and Juliet soon after she was promoted to the rank of core dancer van patten joined san francisco ballet as a soloist dancer in 2002 and was promoted to the rank of principal dancer in 2007 we talked with sarah about her training traveling so far from home at such a young age to join the royal danish ballet what brought her to san francisco ballet and about returning to dancing after the birth of her son this episode was recorded in april during our time at san francisco ballet's unbound festival
0: So thanks for joining us today, Sarah. We really appreciate it. And we know you have such a busy schedule. Um, But thank you for coming up to our little studio up here.
2: My pleasure. So can we just start with, at the beginning, uh, at your early dance training, tell us a little bit about how you got started. Sure. I started um, at a small school um, outside of Boston um, with a teacher, Jacqueline Mm Kronzberg. She had about 30 students. It's called Ballet Workshop of New England. It's a Balanchine school. And so that was, she's my teacher. Um, so I grew up in the Balanchine Technique, um, which I loved. I, um, I just loved the attention and the, um, just that because it was a smaller school, um, rather than being in kind of a larger environment, it suited me. Um, and her daughter, Sandra Jennings, um, who is a ballet repetiteur, I don't know if I said that right. Um, <laughs> staged a lot of balancing works, mm-hmm. so I grew up. Um, dancing Serenade and Bézé de la Fée and Apollo all under the age of 13. I mean, that's um, such an amazing experience. Like, so I, so I, had a, rare. <clears throat> I had a pretty amazing kind of ability not just to have one-on-one time with my teacher, which I did routinely. I would have privates and then go into class with everyone else, but mm-hmm. we would also be dancing these pretty incredible works um, at a very young age, and I think that definitely shaped Kind of who I am as a dancer, and gave right. me some great experience mm-hmm. pretty yeah. early
0: on. Yeah. Jackie's such a wonderful teacher. I had the pleasure of taking her class when I was in Boston Ballet, mm-hmm. and I would always go on my breaks and take it because she's just such a she's uh, uh, such a kind soul, but also the class is so meticulously crafted to help students and um, she
2: would sorry <clears throat> no go no, ahead go on. <laughs> um, so she would pick me up after school and um, we would go to the studio and if it was like we just decided we were going to work on our borays I would just be boring back across in the studio for an hour yeah. before everyone showed up and so I really had some pretty amazing I, I have a very very close relationship with her and some pretty amazing time during that right that very pivotal moment of Mm -hmm. training in my career with her. So she picked out right away that you had a talent for ballet and wanted to work more with you. Yeah, I think it was a mix of not only did I have a talent and I was very dedicated Mm -hmm. um, and it worked out that my parents needed her to kind of help out with getting me (laughs) kind of after school. And it just, everything kind of aligned so Mm -hmm. that I really developed a very close relationship where I got all this kind of extra attention also. Lovely.
0: So you had this wonderful background in Balanchine, um, but the first company you joined was actually the Royal Danish Ballet when you were only 15. Is that right? Mm-hmm. So how did that come about? What made you decide that oh, maybe it's good to do something completely different?
2: So I had worked with Pennsylvania Ballet when I was 14. I did Nutcracker with them, which was a great experience also. Um, and my ballet teacher's daughter, who I mentioned, Sandra Jennings, was staging Swan Lake um, in the Royal Danish, at the Royal Danish. Um, and at that time, Colleen Neary and Oa Christensen were mm-hmm. the directors And they were looking for apprentices Mm -hmm. um, for the company. And of course, with Sandy having her mom, who had a school, um, was saying, well, there's some girls that are ready um, and, you know, I can have them come and you can take a look. Mm -hmm. And so that was the connection. Um, So I actually went over to Copenhagen with Jackie Mm -hmm. and auditioned. And that's when I got the first contract. And it was kind of between doing maybe an advanced level at a school that would feed into a company like San Francisco ballet or New York Mm -hmm. or SAB into New York city ballet. Um, But at that time I felt like I was really ready and I wanted to kind of dive into a company experience Mm -hmm. and, um, and what better way to start than being in Europe and having that opportunity. So yeah. it just, it, it was basically, I, I couldn't say no, and I yeah. was just...
0: The Royal Danish Ballet isn't chop liver. So Yeah, <laughs> no, of course, but I'm... You yeah, know. yeah, yeah. No, I think that, I mean, so that would be it, a hard thing to turn down, even yeah. if maybe you had wanted to, to right. do those that time at it SAB wasn't here necessarily
2: when I was growing up like you mentioned right. I came from this Balanchine school it wasn't like I was thinking oh I really want to be in Europe and right. Right. be in a European company mm-hmm. it was you know it was probably more in my path to go to SAB and mm-hmm. to right. go into possibly City Ballet but but yeah this, this presented itself and it just yeah it just felt right at the time
0: yeah
3: how, what was that like for you moving so far away from home so young did anyone go with
2: you or were you on your no, own no I was alone wow and it was it was scary um, but I also look back and I'm more scared about it now than I am <laughs> then like that, yeah, because I think you know at that age you're just, you're just overwhelmed with excitement right. and you feel like you're ready for anything even though you're maybe aren't. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And so, yeah, I had no idea what I was getting myself into, which I think is the way to go. Right. Um, So I learned a lot. Um, and yeah, that's where I feel like I really grew up and I think it really set the tone for me when I came back to the States and joined San Francisco Ballet. Uh-huh. Right. Um, cause I was also quite young, even when I joined here, right. cause I was just 17. Right. Um, and I joined as a soloist, which is a lot of responsibility. Yeah. What was
3: that like for you to kind of skip? Obviously you danced corp roles at, at Royal Danish Ballet, but what was that like for you kind of being thrown into more um, prestigious roles right away at that young age?
2: You know, when I, well, when I joined Royal Danish, um, I had an amazing opportunity because I got to dance Juliet um, right away. And so that was was obviously kind of the kick, like the start of what ended up kind of my career. That's Mm -hmm. where Helgi saw me. He saw me dance Juliet, which essentially I think is kind of why he hired me as a soloist here. Um, But I think as I look back at the years that I was able to dance, you know, Serenade and Apollo and these just really important works, Mm -hmm. very young, I was able to kind of grow performing these ballets. Mm -hmm. And so even though, again, I joined as a soloist and I was absolutely terrified. I was so nervous and Mm -hmm. scared. And, you know, I, yeah, just the caliber of the company and the dancers and everything, um, but i i did feel like i had um i had this experience from my training right. and from what i'd been able to perform there as yeah. well as the fact that i'd done a full length already right. in copenhagen so i did feel at least some security that way right. even though i was you know a baby yeah how did Helgi see you? Did he was he over there to see it in person? He was, yeah. So he was casting uh, Sleeping Beauty. They were. We ended up doing his Sleeping Beauty my second year in the company. Mm-hmm first or second year in the first year actually sorry first year in the company and so he was casting and we were performing Romeo and Juliet at the time Mm -hmm. wow that's so great so he you were on his radar from the beginning that's yeah I mean that's I was one of very few foreign dancers in the Mm -hmm. company Uh at the time
0: A different culture then yeah
2: Yeah. it's very different from the company now Mm -hmm. um and so it was it was it was pretty big deal obviously because I was an apprentice right
0: right um what was that experience like for you how did you I mean, there's so many different things to be nervous about in there. Yeah, it's your first time, just from the the basics of approaching a role. You know, how am I going to, as a 15 year old, shape a a full evening, and then the sort of responsibility of having this huge part at such a young age.
2: I think, um, I think my relationship with John Neumeyer is definitely the the reason why that that worked for that time, and and I've I really owe so much to him too. Mm -hmm. Um, He is just such an amazing storyteller and he has just such a great eye for authenticity. Mm -hmm. And he saw me and his whole kind of casting choice was around the fact that I was 15 and I was super innocent and I was naive and I didn't, you know, it just, it all gave so much more into the experience of Mm -hmm. me being Juliet at that time, Mm -hmm. um, that it was very authentic. Mm -hmm. And I remember um, after he cast the ballet, he went away and had one of his assistants stage the work.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, And he only came back maybe like a week before the premiere. And we hadn't yet done the death scene, which, of course, Mm -hmm. I've never done a death scene before. Like. I wouldn't even know where to begin with, let alone had a death in my life Mm -hmm. to even pull from. Um, It was an afternoon, and it was like bright sun in the studio. Everyone's in there, you know, just waiting for the rehearsal to end. And I remember John, Romeo was lying in the the middle of the studio, and I remember him going and showing me, because, of course, he couldn't tell me what to do. It was, he's very... um, know he's very emotional but he's also about this real experience and so he was just like tears streaming down his face and did this unbelievable death scene as juliet with my romeo and then looked up and said okay you know you try and it was like i've never been so like inspired as well as just like i don't even know where to begin um but but that definitely taught me a lot about um, finding a place wherever I am, whether it's on stage, whether it's in the studio, and finding a way to tap into something true and something mm-hmm. real, kind of out of out of nothing. Not nothing, nothing but right. just you know, walking in and, and being able to find your place and intention. So that was that was a really important moment for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and then I came. I don't know what the question was, but then I, <laughs> that was a great story. I love that. <laughs>
0: yeah.
3: So, how did you end up then making the move to San Francisco? Helgi had already seen you. Did he talk to you then, or did you?
2: So, yeah, I mean, Owen and Colleen were going to leave Royal Danish, mm-hmm. um, and I think with their departure, and I had, kn- I knew that Helgi was interested. Mm-hmm. I just felt like it was. As much as I loved the Royal Danish, it was really hard on me. Um, I was, again, I was one of very few foreign dancers. I didn't know Danish, Mm -hmm. um, even though I loved Copenhagen. Mm -hmm. Um, and I enjoyed the Bourneville technique, but I yearned to be back in the States Mm -hmm. and I didn't know actually almost anything about San Francisco ballet, but I came and auditioned and I just immediately felt like this was me because it embodied all the versatility that I thrive off of. Mm -hmm. um, and I just I felt like this could be my home, which it ended up being. So <laughs> it was the right choice. And you were how old then? I was seventeen.
0: Seventeen. So tell us about some of those early experiences. You said you were nervous to come in as a soloist. When did you sort of start to find your footing and uh, feel comfortable being, um, yeah. you know, here in this company?
2: It took a few years. I mean, I think I think being a young ballerina in any company, it's you know, it's a very competitive environment it's, you know, you just, you kind of have to like earn your way a little bit. And it just takes time. It takes time to feel like you, to build your own confidence, Mm -hmm. even if there isn't that coming out from the outside, even if it's your own kind of that you put on yourself, Mm -hmm. which I think was a big part of it, Mm -hmm. Um, as well as just, you know, kind of paying my dues and being there, you know, when, for my shows and, and kind of gaining my place and then I think once I definitely once I got promoted to principal I just felt like I was like I have my place here Mm -hmm. Um, and and it's just been
0: what were some of the opportunities that led to that promotion
2: I think I just became I became a very versatile dancer for the company I also became I, I've no, I've been known for being um, one of the more dramatic ballerinas, mm-hmm. so I've danced *Hell's Romeo and Juliet* here, as well as many of the other kind of dramatic works, um, and as well as. Well, sorry. Your question is what got me when I got promoted. I actually got promoted after dancing *Fancy Free*,
0: mm-hmm.
2: which I love. Yeah, but then um, that
0: has a lot of that kind of. Acting component. Yeah, yeah,
2: I think you know. I think what's important, um, you know, Helgi definitely has the ability to have a company with such amazing versatile dancers, mm-hmm. um, just such a range. Mm-hmm. And I think if you can, you know, do like right now we're in this festival, and mm-hmm. if you can really find your place in within all these choreographers and and still be who you are, yeah. um, I think that goes a long way. Mm-hmm. So I think I did well and I was able to, you know, dance all the crazy hours and all the many performances that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was yeah, made made a place for me here.
3: Yeah. Uh, Michael and I have talked a lot about revisiting roles after a long time, something maybe you do early in your career and then get to come back and do it again and how it. Evolves and changes, and it's a fun experience. How was that for you? Doing Juliet is like your first big thing, and then coming mm-hmm. here in San Francisco Valley, being a little older, more seasoned, and doing doing Juliet again. Did you approach it any differently?
2: You know, it's it's an interesting work for me because I've now done done it maybe five or six times mm-hmm. throughout different phases of my career. Mm -hmm. Um, And part of me misses that, like, pure innocence Mm -hmm. that I don't even have to think about. And, you know, and I do have now, like, years of maturity and life experience that you kind of feel like, okay, how can I now tap back into that, Mm -hmm. even though when I go into my third act, I feel like I really can embody this, like, you know more mature grounded woman that can make these kinds of decisions that Juliet does um, at the end of the ballet so it's definitely um, it's definitely been an interesting change over the years Um, and it's different choreography too and 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 that, that also changes things. Yeah, that's true.
0: I was also thinking that um, when you... I'm not sure if this is exactly when you first joined the company, but when I came to the summer program in 2003, Sandy Jennings was ballet mistress here. So that must have also felt like a little bit of home yeah. um, When in your first uh, few years at San Francisco Ballet. Yeah,
2: it's home. And it's also like, um, you know, when you... Um, like, I'll I'll see like the the young dancers here when Patrick from the school comes up and teaches and it's like you're a, you're a kid again yeah, you know yeah. and so there is that you know so when Sandy was here and she actually taught earlier this season she taught some company classes and it was like all of a sudden I was like 12 again <laughs> you just get the yeah. you know um, in a good way right. that feeling like oh my teachers you know you have yeah. to and it's it's just funny it's like I'm you know I've had a 20 year career and yeah. I'm still
3: <laughs> yeah that's so funny so, you recently became a mother.
2: Congratulations. Yes. Thank you.
3: Um, that's another thing, too, another element that changes performing on stage that, you know, we, we hear a lot about from mothers that it kind of changes their approach to dancing. So, how do you feel that that's changed you as an artist?
2: I definitely feel very empowered to be the only mom in San Francisco Ballet. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. I didn't that's, uh, that's crazy. Yeah. It's definitely something that I, I hold as being. Um, you know, I'm, I'm very proud of myself that I've been able to um, come back and, and kind of go through what I find to be challenging for any working mother, not just a dancing working mother, but just this constant struggle of balance between your work and your child, which essentially just feels like a part of literally like my arm yeah. is at home, you know, and it's, and I struggle with you know finding how to balance those things all the time, um, which has only added to my experience at work. Um, because I do find it's really deepened my experiences with what I am dancing and what I am doing. Um, because I don't, I don't just do anything halfway. I don't come in here and just you know not give my all because otherwise I'd be at home with my child right. Yeah, so I wouldn't be here if I didn't want to be here right, right. it's also too expensive <laughs> but um, and I think when you're forced to really kind of look at that especially once you've been you know I've been 17 years here and Um, two years in Copenhagen so when you're looking at almost 20 years of a dance career you have to really ask yourself and you're doing a lot of things that come back around and and it's very very physically exhausting and it can get to a point where you think why am I still doing this and you really have to love and want to be here especially uh, for my experience with having you know a 2 year old at home who needs you yeah. who is there you know when you're leaving like bringing you his favorite toys and you know crying because he doesn't want you to leave and and yet it's it's you know it's hard to really know that it, in order to fill your to be the best mom i can be i also have to fill myself and this is what's filling me for whatever it is i'm going to be in the future but so anyways, that was a lot of an answer, oh, like it. but it's yeah, it's a challenge, and it's a challenge for me all the time.
3: Yeah, what kind of challenges did you have coming back to dancing after your pregnancy?
2: I think um, I'd seen other women um, who'd retired come back, and you know, I I think it's it's hard in our environment when you want to be vulnerable, and I don't think you feel like you can be. Mm-hmm. Um, Because, you know, I stand next to girls that are 17 years old and I've Mm -hmm. been here for that long. And it's like when you're in an environment where you're needing to put your body through what, you know, Mm -hmm. people who are that much younger and Mm -hmm. it's just it's it's hard to to not bring in the vulnerability from what you're really experiencing Mm -hmm. just to maintain focus in that environment right, yeah. so I found that to be difficult and just to begin understanding how to kind of juggle these two very very kind of um, emotional things that I was dealing with it's just my child and the actual like I mean the losing weight and the like getting your body back in shape actually isn't it's like you just go to the gym for two months and I mean it's it's hard I don't want to put that down because I actually which I'm fine to say is like I had a c-section so I had a very difficult um post pregnancy it was not um yeah it was major surgery so that's that's a whole nother level um but that I actually, it's fine. I just ate well, went to the gym Mm -hmm. and it's like, okay. But it was more the emotional side of it that I think that takes the harder to, to, to kind of wrap yourself around where, you know, where you, you not only need to maintain the physical level, which at my age and everything includes a lot of outside appointments, a lot of, just, you know, body preparation, whether it be gyrotonic Pilates, whatever it is, all of this stuff, which, you know, then you're balancing, you know, all of that time that you already take away from your child with everything that you do at work. Um, It's just, it's hard. I don't know if I answered that question. You did. you did.
0: How did you think that it was the right time? How did you come to that decision? Because it's hard enough to decide to have a child. any career, yeah. but ballet. We're always racing against time. Why did you know that um, two years ago was right for you? I always
2: knew from when I was probably before I even knew I wanted to be a ballet dancer that I wanted to have a family. That was number one. Has always been number one for me. Um, and I always, I always knew that I didn't want to be older. I, n- I didn't want to risk the thought of having difficulty or, um, and for me it was also so important because because i knew that this was something that was that was so important to me almost before deciding i wanted to be a ballet dancer that to do it at the right time was the right thing which meant you know i've met my husband we had been together for a while i was in a really good age and i was in a really good place to to take this leap of faith, ultimately, Mm -hmm. because when you get pregnant, you don't know where you're going to end up. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like you almost just have to jump off the edge of a cliff and think, maybe I'll dance, maybe I won't, but I'm going to do this. Because believe me, right before I had my son and I had surgery and I was 180 pounds, I was like, this is it. Like, (laughs) I'm never going to dance again. There's no way I can come back from this. But um, The body recovers. But I just, I think it was never, it was never, ever anything that I questioned. And I had always dreamed knowing that I, more than anything, always wanted to be a mom. And... You know, and I know it's really hard, not just for dancers, but for all women um, to kind of figure out in their careers how can I—you feel like you have to sacrifice. You have to, like, make this decision, and it's it's really hard, and I fully understand why that's so hard. Um, and I just—I hope that, if anything, I really want to encourage other dancers, other women to to feel comfortable and confident to take that plunge. Because I do think the on the other side of it, there's gonna be so much that you're gonna have, or at least that I feel, mm-hmm. um that you get out of being a working mother that I just, yeah, I just wish that I just wish that more women felt felt that ability to do that um, so. Yeah, so that's why I wanted to have kids.
3: (laughs) Um, So we're here um, at the Unbound Festival at San Francisco Ballet. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about the first experience at the Unbound
2: Festival when you were here? Yeah, so uh, the first ballet I worked on is with Arthur Pita. Uh He's doing a piece called Bjork Ballet Uh to Bjork's music, Mm -hmm. and he I'd never worked with him before because he worked with the company last year okay. doing Salome and I wasn't involved in that. Um, but he was the f- he's the first choreographer that first of all came in for rehearsal. And, um, you know, in a typical rehearsal, you stand there and you wait to be told what to do. Right. And there's just like just yeah. you. Yeah, you, that's what you do. <laughs> And Arthur comes in in socks and he says, okay, we're all going to stand in a circle and we're going to hold hands and we're like... And I'm thinking, okay, <laughs> you're waiting for some like big audition process, you right? know, because right, yeah. all usually choreographers come in and they give you a phrase and they see everyone do the phrase and they like weed people out and it's very nerve wracking mm-hmm. and you feel judged and you feel like, do I remember the phrase and oh, yes. he saw me and I messed up the phrase and so-and-so looks much better and it's so much going on. It's so crazy to hear you talk about that because that's the kind of stuff that we go through as like core members, but... Your no, establishment. Everybody. everybody. And you just think, good. you're like, oh, I should be doing this better. You know, it's just all of that in your head. And Arthur was like, we're going to hold hands. We're going to feel our feet on the ground. We're going to say one word that reflects our whatever. And we're going to introduce ourselves. And it was like a whole nother like experience yeah. um, which I absolutely loved and he was like there's no right or wrong answer in the room and we just he gave us these like tasks to create choreography um, and I'm not a choreographer but and so I was nervous about coming up I mean I I've, I've worked with a lot of choreographers and sure. if there's like an energy for a piece I can feel where it's going and kind of come up with, like, with them, like, a possible movement idea. Mm-hmm. But if you stand there and you give me, like, you know, a diagram with letters that have different – attached to different corners and say, like, make this sentence with different parts of your body, it's like, you know. What? <laughs> yeah, which essentially yeah. is kind of what we did. So that's how we came up with the material for this work. And he directed it and changed it. And, and I have – I have like very. I've played a lot, of, a lot of different characters in my years, but this is definitely a first for me. This role that I've been given in his ballet, um, and I'm I'm very very excited for the audience to see it. I don't think I can say anything else about it, so I'm not. But. Not <laughs> That was, it was just, it was a wonderful kind of kickstart to the Unbound Festival. Yeah, yeah.
0: You also performed in Justin Peck's Ballet, uh, Mm -hmm. which premiered on Friday, and... I loved it because I think of you as such a paradigm of classicism, but you're there. You are in sneakers, dancing to M83. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what was that experience like for you? I know Justin had originally wanted you for his first ballet, but you were pregnant, so he was very excited to have you this go around.
2: Yeah, well, it was always it was definitely a dream of mine to work with Justin. Um, I was, and again, going back to my pregnancy, it was. I think that I've I've heard other uh, girls say. You know, like, well, what if this or that? And I'm like, if you're going to get pregnant, you just have yeah. to, you're going to miss something. So yeah. you're just oh, going to yeah. have to, like, Trying
0: to, to right. let it go. Uh-huh. You can't program
2: it. You can't <laughs> program it. Because <laughs> it's like, you know. Um, but anyway, so I was really, really bummed, obviously, to not work with him. Because I'd admired so much his work. Mm. And, um, and just, yeah, and things of his that I'd seen. So having him come and being a part of his ballet was really exciting for me. Um, And I'd seen his other piece in New York, in that was in sneakers, Uh and I was super inspired by the movement quality Mm -hmm. that I think comes out with that type of shoe, which I'd never worked in before. Um, So, and I could tell, well, the whole company or all of us that were involved in his ballet just had like definitely a buzz, you know, with excitement of. You know of dancing to this great music and in a sneaker which we we've never had the opportunity to do before mm-hmm. um and then i just i just admire so much his musicality and um and the way he choreographs is um it just feels very natural to me mm-hmm. and in my body and it makes sense mm-hmm. and um, and I love how he evolves the choreography out of such simple steps. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's interesting because I see a lot of choreographers where they're trying to do things that have never been seen before, right. really, which is also really interesting. Right. But what I appreciate so much about Justin is that he takes just pure steps and makes them fresh. Mm-hmm. But it's just very pure steps and it is it's the beauty and the genius is in the musicality of them and the combination of them and I'm really not doing anything that's like some massive trick yeah it's just you know beautiful work and so I think that's what I appreciate the most about working with him Mm -hmm. and dancing in his ballet yeah Mm -hmm. that's like what
3: we were talking about before we started recording with the midsummer moment yeah Justin
0: Justin, he takes a a moment from the Divertus Mont potata in Balanchine's Midsummer and seamlessly inserts it into this Potada you have yeah. uh, in sneakers. Yeah. But it works beautifully. Yeah. yeah, he's brilliant.
2: So now after being with San Francisco Ballet all this time, how have you seen the company evolve? It's interesting. I think for, you know, because I, I look back to when I joined and the company is completely different. Sure. You know, I think I'm only one of maybe like five dancers that's still out of 80 that are yeah. still here. And we're slowly disappearing, um, but I think you know. I think because it's always been directed by Helgi over mm-hmm. my time, right. that the central thread has always been there. Mm-hmm. You know, he he keeps a very very high standard, um, which I appreciate. Um, he's always trying to bring in. Um, New choreographers, anybody that's really surfacing as mm-hmm. being relevant. Mm-hmm. He takes risks, which I've always really appreciated. Um, and yet he's always able to complement that with the classics, um, which I just think keeps for a very well rounded company. Mm-hmm. Um, so for that, as much as the actual dancers have all changed, I think the company has continued to move forward mm-hmm. because he's done like what he 's doing right now with the festival, which is amazing yeah. it's amazing we have the support to do that right. it's amazing we've had we had all these really like top level choreographers come in for the same time yeah. and collaborate in order to do this um, is really a once in a career opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and to take the risk to do such a thing, so I think I think because Helgi's, you know, been at the top for the entire time, um, I, I've definitely seen the company grow mm-hmm. and and change, sure. um, but I think the central like essence has been the same. Yeah.
0: Well, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it having we appreciate you. Appreciate it so much. And enjoy you. the rest of your festival.
3: Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for joining us this week. We are excited to announce that you can now listen to Conversations on Dance on Spotify, in addition to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or through our website at ConversationsOnDancePod.com. Subscribe now to receive notifications of new episodes. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Conversations on Dance. See you next week.
1: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's.